months and months of knowing all these problems, is there anything going to happen? Is there going to be prosecutions? Is there going to be any actual action other than a couple of firings here and there? I just don't quite see where the system is going to allow a major change if if these allegations are true. It seems like there should be something going on in the last 12 months other than jawboning, but nothing seems to happen. So that's just my feeling about the political. Like I say, this is a business show, and I will say that the Trump and Republican tax plan so far does seem to be saving most of my clients' money in 2018, and there's some opportunities with all the new business rates and the special deduction for businesses. There's a lot of opportunity to have some serious tax savings. I'm looking forward to seeing what happens over the next few years if the business people who do get tax reductions do stimulate the economy with spending. I personally, if I can save some under the new tax law, which I believe I will, I'm personally ready to do some more hiring, give some more raises, and help our local economy in that respect. I'm all for local business people having more money in their pocket. So I just can't really complain so far about the tax legislation, but I can complain about the fact that all this jaw boning about people in the FBI not doing their job properly, I just haven't seen any action yet. I haven't seen anything really happening. Maybe it's happening behind the scenes. Maybe the 4D chess is going on, but uh, it, to me it just remains to be seen that this could end up being another four years of business as usual in the whole bottom line, but, I, but I'm not sure. Now, my guest today, though, could probably enlighten me a little bit on that topic because I <laughs> we have I have two uh, local attorneys here on the show. We're going to talk business. We're going to talk law. We're going to talk some interesting stories. It's going to be really fun. The uh, guests I have today is uh, Mr. Scott Hubbard and Miss Susan Hearn. Welcome, guys. How's it going? Great. Nice to be here. Thank you, Susan. It's going Scott, well, Harold. You having How a good you? day? Well, I was until you brought up the FISA memo. <laughs> <laughs> oh, <yeah. laughs> That's great. Well, one thing I wanted to get, since I'm on that topic, if you, I'm just going to put a question to you, Scott, because I know you, you probably wouldn't turn down the chance to be a judge if that ever happens in your career. I could be a judge. Uh, God knows I have the experience to to fill the role, but why do you ask? I asked because I was just wondering, put yourself in the position, you're a FISA court judge, and you now find out that the facts that led you to give permission to spy on somebody were paid for by the opposition political party. What, what would you say as a judge to those FBI guys that brought you the, quote, dossier? Well, uh, first of all, from what we know, there was more information in that FISA request than just the uh, dossier. So on that point, I don't know what the judge saw, and I am hesitant to criticize any judge judge's ruling because being a judge is hard enough as it is no that's what i'm, I'm giving yeah. the judge the benefit so of the doubt i will give the judge the benefit of the doubt uh that there was probably additional information and not just the fisa memo or excuse me not just the the dossier but let's assume that there wasn't let's assume arguendo that it was just the dossier and and it comes out that it was paid for in part by democrats and i say in part because it started as a republican dossier that uh, was doing op, and I forget which Republican candidate funded it, but it started Yeah, I out, think it was Rubio, maybe? Yeah, started yeah. out as a Republican. You're so, right. I'm glad you brought that up. So, you know... I love being bipartisan. <laughs> <laughs> I think that, uh, well, we're getting, we have, a, we have the federal investigation, whatever you think about Mueller, he's not the only person conducting it. So sooner or later, we're going to find out from rank-and-file FBI agents, not just the tainted ones, how much of that dossier is true and how much of it is false. I, if I were a judge, I would want to remain impartial until I got all the facts, and then I would want to make an educated ruling. So at this point, that's what I'm doing. I'm okay. keeping my, my 
my ears open, my mouth shut, and watching what's going on. Well, that's good. I started to try to stir up the audience, <laughs> audience anger, and Uh-oh. you calmed it right down. Thank what, you. What do you? Well, you, that's the judge. If you had asked the liberal Democrat and me, that's an entirely different conversation. <laughs> yeah, I do try to stay away from party politics. But <laughs> What do you think, Sue? I, I think that judges make decisions based on the information they're given. It's not a judge's responsibility to do further investigation. They are supposed to rely on the information they're given. So if this judge made a decision based on good faith of the information he was given or she was given, then certainly that's the decision that was made. Uh, I don't think any judge uh, wants to be put into scrutiny for to the best of their ability following the law. Right. No, I, I know. I was just thinking that, you know, if the judge was kind of tricked, wouldn't that kind of upset the judge? Well, that's the other thing is credibility is coin of the realm. And so if you're, uh, if you're a FISA judge and it turns out that you were given bad information and that comes to light, boy, that's going to make you very suspect and hesitant if that, that issue or that attorney comes into your court again. Right. That's the, you have to have trust that you're getting the truth told. Anytime you're in court. That's the other problem that we face. But let's not talk politics. Let's talk business. Let's talk business. Let's talk Chico local business. (laughs) That's right. Okay. Susan. Hi. Nice for you to be here. I really appreciate that. Thank you very much. So your specialty, is criminal defense your cup of tea right now in your practice? That's correct. Uh, For about nine years, I've had a private practice uh, doing criminal defense. Um, Prior to that, I was actually a state park police officer for a little over 25 years. You also went to law school with Harold and me. I did also go to law school with these fine gentlemen. You know all the stories about, yeah, he's laughing. (laughs) She knows all the stories about what charming and delightful law students we were. That's right. right. We were were so, so conscientious. Yeah, that's that's the word, a word anyway. (laughs) So Susan, were you, uh, your state Police job is that it was. I was as a state park police officer, like a park ranger. Oh wow! Yes, that was probably pretty enjoyable. Did you enjoy that job, or? Um, I enjoyed most of it. Uh, you know, the state of California has uh, a vast array of quality resources. I mean, you know, Kansas doesn't have an ocean. Um, <laughs> right. <laughs> you know, and, and and so to have an ocean, to have desert, mountains, rivers, streams, reservoirs, uh, historic parks are quite amazing. To have all of that, there's about 240 state parks in the state of California. And uh, so it was a real blessing to be able to uh, have a job where my my position was to try to protect the people and protect the resources. Did you ever actually work at Bidwell Mansion? That's a state park. I did, actually. Um, right. I had a year as the ranger at Bidwell Mansion. And oh, great. Initially, I was concerned that it wasn't going to be very interesting, but it turns out it was fascinating. Um, not many communities get to have a founding father and mother who are such good role models. And, you know, the Bidwells, uh, Mr. Bidwell was not formally educated, um, but came to Chico and worked on his education and had 14 different enterprises uh, by the time the he Chico died. Businessman. He was quite the Chico businessman. He also had uh, quite a bit of luck. Um, in 1949, on the Feather River, he happened to find $100,000 worth of gold, and that was the value then. So, uh, is that where you see those diggings next to Highway 70, those mounds? Is that, do you think that might be the area, or do you know? Um, I'm not sure exactly where the area is. The, the Feather River has four large tributaries okay. that all feed into Lake Orville. So right. it was somewhere around there. It's very likely underwater. But those undulations you see on Highway 70 are what they call dredge tailings or dredge mm-hmm. piles, and that would be from mechanized machinery uh, looking for gold. So that might have been later than the 1840s, those piles, perhaps? Exactly. No, those piles were probably from, you know, the early 1900s. Oh, okay. Yes. Because my my tangential relationship to Bidwell Mm -hmm. might be my great-great-grandfather was James Littlejohn, and he was a farmer-type guy down in Yuba City. Mm-hmm. And that big white house near the Winco Shopping Center. Right. On 99. Uh That's his house. Oh, nice. Really? he was, he had like nine children, and wow. the the family story is, of the nine, the one who didn't get anything was the drinker and the gambler, <laughs> and that was my great-grandfather. Oh, of course, yes, well, 
That explains okay. so par- much. Par- par- right, right. Now, now we know. It's all coming together. Now, parallel to Highway 99, about a block away behind that shopping center is Little John Road. So they did honor uh-huh. him okay. in that respect. Well, good. Anyway, That's but I'm great. sure he knew Bidwell. Yes. Because he came out in the 1860s from Ohio, mm-hmm. and he was like the water, the water district guy appointed by the governor or whatever they had back then. Right. So anyway. Good. That's my little connection, but I want to talk about your business, Susan, because uh, is there some interesting things going on with the law these days with, um, like, let's say you're a business person and you need to hire someone new. Is there some restrictions on what you can do as far as looking up their records and things? Is something going on with that? Yes. Um, over the last few years, uh, employment law and criminal Uh, records have changed. As of January of this year, an employer may not ask about nor take into consideration um, up to an offer, uh, check into somebody's criminal background. Um, So the reason for that is, uh, well, one, hopefully we all believe in redemption. And if somebody made a poor decision 15 years ago, hopefully they're the the better man or woman for it now. Um, And if an employer looks at I was giving Scott an example. If somebody has a fish and game violation 15 years ago that's a misdemeanor, it would be a shame for an employer today to say, oh, he has a misdemeanor, I don't want to hire him. Um, so, so the law is saying that an employer must give an offer first uh, before doing a background check. That's what I was going to ask. You mentioned that thing about the offer. So if you make the offer to work and then do a background check, is there a criteria that says you can not follow through with this employment if he has X or above or below? Or So, so this was recent legislation um, that has not uh, had any case law on We're it yet. We're coming up on a break already. Okay. Time flies. Sure. We'll be right back on Business right. Buzz. Stay tuned. Rock House Dining and Espresso is known for their patio. Enjoy the ducks and chickens visiting the patio in their environmental, farm-fresh, lively atmosphere. Rock House is an iconic landmark in Butte County since the 1930s. Seven minutes north of the Lime Saddle Bridge, only two miles past the hardware store. Originally built in 1937, the two buildings served as restaurant and tavern, shower house, barber shop, gas station, and cafe. Live music every Saturday night in the Fireside Room. All-natural hot spice cider, mochas, cappuccinos, caramel macchiatos, and pumpkin pies made right here from fresh pumpkins. Kent Westfield, Christian singer-songwriter, is bringing acoustic music he's putting on his current album. Call before coming by for a list of live music at 532-1889 at Rock House Dining and Espresso on Highway 70 in Yankee Hill. Hello, this is Samantha Landy, and I bring you Psalms of Hope. Heard here on Life Radio every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at noon. So do tune in and join me for beautiful music and an encouraging word from the Lord. Psalms of Hope with Samantha Landy, Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at noon, here on KKXX. the business buzz Harold little john cpa and we're talking with susan hurd a criminal defense attorney and we were getting into the point of it's getting difficult isn't this making it kind of difficult for people who hire people this is is it a little confusing about the criminal record and looking up at the right time uh, you know i think it can be hard for employers but it, the the purpose of the law in all honesty is to help employers get employees I think that somebody who's had um, a challenging past, uh, I've talked to employers who say, you know, the guy who's made a mistake 15 years ago now has a wife and children and a mortgage, and he works a lot harder than, you know, the other guys who kind of have a you owe me attitude. So you can find an employee who is really hungry for a good job, who's going to work really, really hard to prove himself, 
Um, and I think that that's important. That uh, So possibly this could cause an employer to look further um, at somebody and their character and uh, their skills. Now, what if, what if I, let's say I make an offer to somebody and then I look it up. Does it have to be previously expunged before I have a problem? Or what if they're like still on probation? What, what, how does that one work? So um, if somebody is currently on probation or has a recent conviction or even has a pending criminal case, um, an employer can look at that because that can affect their ability to work. I mean, if somebody has a pending conviction and it means they may be incarcerated or they may not be able to drive a car, that can certainly affect somebody's job. And so the employer would have interest in that. Now, how, how does that work? What's the, what's the rule before the offer? You can't even look? Is that what you're saying? Well, the, the new law is saying that an employer may not take into consideration or even look at a record that has since been expunged. Once, once the offer is made, however, there really needs to be a connection between the prior crime and the job. So, right. for example, if, again, if somebody had a fish and game violation, it's not going to affect their ability to work a forklift. Right. And so, um, however, if somebody, you know, has been a drug addict for a number of years, you don't necessarily want them... Driving work, a bus or something. Well, or, you know, working in a nursing home where they have access to medications. Oh, right. So yeah. you would really want to connect um, that prior behavior specifically with that job. Um, the other issue uh, is uh, insurance. Um, if, for example, we had a, a client who was offered a job in the Bay Area with Cisco, and he had had a minor in possession ticket, um, because he got a minor in possession conviction, his license was suspended for a year. Um, and although he was given an offer by Cisco, Cisco's car insurance, because he was supposed to drive a car for them, um, would not allow him to have the job because he had had a one-year license suspension that was alcohol-related. So. You know, employer who wanted to give him the job, here he is a college graduate, good kid, worked hard. Um, you know, the insurance company, the car insurance company is saying, this, this guy's too expensive. Right. We're not going to hire him. Right. Um, you know, there is no easy answer to that. You know, does the kid drive his own car, pay as the insurance, get paid less by the employer? I mean, there's no easy answer. But, um, you know, the intent of the law is for employers to be able to kind of look around and, you know, again, if somebody's made a mistake Many, many years ago, uh, that might be the person who's really hungry for a good job. Right. Well, that's a, I know I've heard of that law, and it does sound very kind of challenging, though, to figure out how to implement it properly. And, and there is, you know, there, it's not like there's a list of here's the crimes, you know, that mean you can't drive a forklift. Right. And here's the crimes that, you know, you can't uh, work in a nursing home. I mean, there were certainly a list of crimes where, People um, are not allowed to work in nursing homes or with children. Somebody who was a right. res registered sex offender, for example, of right. course, you're not going to put them in a <laughs> in a <laughs> not, lot of employment settings. <laughs> and and typically, uh, uh, being a registered sex offender is not going to change. Uh, expungement will not clear. Right, uh, obviously, one that like sort of that. Yeah. correct. Yeah, yes. Well, that that's really interesting. Now, what your uh, what's your contact information if someone needs to talk to a um, local attorney for criminal defense? Do you also help employers with things, or are you mainly the criminal side right now? Uh, right now, I just help individuals with their individual cases. Oh, okay. So, um, I mean, recently I had a gentleman who did have a felony about 15 years ago and was a very talented um, a craftsman, and he wanted to get his contractor's license, but because he had a felony, again, good guy, married, children, um, we... Uh, request that his felony uh, get reduced and then expunged his record, and he just took the exam to get his contractor's license. Oh, great. Yes, and, and you know, again, if you have somebody who's talented, right. um, you know, we wish him success. Right, but it has to be expunged before that felon could get the license. That's, that's, that's correct. still so the way that works. His record would then show dismissed on the court record, and that information gets sent to the Department of Justice. Right. And the Department of Justice's database would also then show that the record was cleared. Wow. And, and those aren't given away free. I mean, this young man had to earn it. Right. I mean, he had letters of recommendation and certificates of accomplishment. And it was really hard and humbling for him to ask people, hey, by the way, this is a mistake I made many years ago. Uh, and I'm, I'd appreciate it if you give me a, a, a character reference letter. Right. So, wow, so he that, earned it. Yeah, that's great. Yes. Wow. 
Now, Scott, what have you been up to lately uh, with your local businesses? Your family has quite a few things going on. Let's hear about that. <laughs> local Chico business. Well, um, for those who remember the Gothic house, the one that we uh, saw it in half and drove down the down the highway a couple of years ago, we're just about finishing that up. Now, where's that located? Uh, that's... <laughs> If you get on Highway 99 and you drive south, just past the Highway 32 exit, okay. if you look to your right, you'll see our house. It's a big, giant, beautiful thing, lots of windows, and uh, I've been watching it slowly get duct tape back together. What's and... the actual address of it? What street would it be on? Ah, uh, boy, you're asking. Is that name near Gill Street or something? It's the end of Hun uh, Humboldt Road. Now, okay. Humboldt Road and Highway 99 okay. is the best right. I can answer. Isn't that near the police department there? Somewhere? Close. The okay. pe police department's on the other side of the road. Now, what's other the business of the angle of the Gothic house? What's it going to be? There's really no business angle on it. As a matter of fact, my brother keeps lamenting that it's a money pit, but uh, we'll probably break even on it. We... Are you going to resell it? There's a tax credit. As oh, a, a historical house. As an experienced 30-year-old... 30 year, any experienced 30 year old, uh, 30 year practicing accountant will tell you right. that if you take a home, uh, a historic home, fix it up, rent it out for five years, you can get a tax credit for the difference between its original price and the fair market value once you're done with the reno renovations. Great, I'm glad you've studied that because um, I, I haven't dealt with one of those yet. <laughs> but you have to you have to keep it for five years and you can't rent it to yourself. Right. So I can't buy a beautiful Victorian torn down Victorian home, spend mm -hmm. two million dollars fixing it. it up and then live in it. Right. That's that's a downside. So that's going along really nicely. Um, we're also in the process of developing a corner of uh, Oroville next to the courthouse because obviously we're. I want a place to whenever I go to to the Oroville the, Superior to Court. Work, right. I want a place where I can sit down and eat, and we own the vacant lot on uh, next to Home Depot. And right. we've had it for a number of years. And so now we're in the point that we'd like to develop it. So we're looking to put a, a nice sit-down restaurant and a, a gas station there, maybe. And you know, that's, that's showing some promise. At the very least, it will make a nice place for prospective jurors to hand, hang out every, every Monday before they have to go in and spend their days sitting in a courtroom waiting to see if they're selected. I'm sure Sue and the other defense lawyers will appreciate that also. <laughs> Anything uh, convenient and close would be good for everybody. I, and there really isn't much out there. There's no, no. Don't forget cornucopia. There is. And That's hey, right. okay, we own the Oroville AMPM, the one across the street from the old, uh, from the old Walmart. And we love the cornucopia there are certain there's you start to appreciate when you spend quality time in oroville you start to appreciate the really good restaurants right. and cornucopia is one of them and tin roof the one it's across the street it used to be tin roof i think no something it's across the street from the old um from the uh library next break mm -hmm. And I'll give, my, I'll give my I'll give my Oroville in just a couple of minutes. <laughs> Stay tuned. We're here with Scott Hubbard and Susan Hearn. We'll be right back on Business Buzz. Hey, this is Rich with DJ Carports and Garages. We've been serving the Butte County area since 2000 with carports, sheds, and other type of metal buildings. We have warranties of 25 years on the galvanized steel frame and 40 years on the powder-coated sheeting. Give me a holler if you'd like me to look at the spots that you're considering, and I will share with you the options that are available. My number is 530-877-1222. That's 877-1222. Thanks, and you have a great day.
Sometimes insurance can be a confusing business. I can't stress enough the importance of having a single professional insurance agent to help make sense of all your personal and business insurance policies. You don't want to get caught without the right coverage. For all your insurance needs, trust Brad Jacobson, your local farmer's insurance agent. Call 891-7900 for a free consultation and a policy review. 891-7900 for Brad Jacobson, your local farmer's insurance agent. Old School Hobby Shop and Parts in Oroville is reminding everyone to please give blood. By doing so, you may save the life of a child, surgery patient, or an accident victim. So give blood. It's safe, it's simple, and it's needed. This important reminder was sponsored by Old School Hobby Shop and Parts, 6071 Commercial Way in Oroville. Serving the area with quality and integrity for years now. So go with a name that you can trust. Call Old School Hobby Shop and Parts at 916-910-4150. They're on the air because they care. When we air a program, first the sound reaches the 35 major and minor parts of the human ear. Then the message travels out from the ear across millions of auditory nerves. From there it reaches about 10 billion neurons in your brain. Finally, the message and the teaching reaches your soul. Right here you'll find speakers and teachers that go way beyond just being educational or entertaining. Because you are more than just flesh and bone and nerves and neurons. We air programs that reach the soul. You are locked into Life Radio, KKXX, AM and FM. Welcome back to Business Buzz, Harold Littlejohn, CPA. We have Scott Hubbard and Susan Hearn, two local Chico attorneys. Very interesting talk. Now, Scott, you, you and your family have quite a few businesses going, I've got to admit. You're not going to talk about the fact that my friend texted me and said how feminine I sounded when Sue was talking? <laughs> You're not going to mock me on my strangely androgynous no, no. voice? That's Here right. on the Business Buzz, we're very... <laughs> How, androgynous. How they couldn't tell that. the difference between her and me. That's what we're going to talk about. I'm not going to even okay. talk about that. I want to hear I want to hear a little bit about the Hubbard dynasty and the gas stations and then the other new one coming. So for, for, tell us about the Hubbard dynasty. Let's, let's just skip right to the case because what people don't know is Harold's a hardcore Kiss fan. And so <laughs> All right. So we're opening a restaurant in uh, Sacramento with Kiss called Rock and Brews. And Rock and Brews, and it's a brand new chain, right? It's a, it's an existing chain. It's been around for a year or two. For anyone who's flown into LAX, they've probably seen one. And uh, we're just, we're getting the final plans have been approved or in the process of, and uh, we're starting construction right now. It's on the corner of Arden and Expedition. Is that where the El Torito used to be? Or? No, down the street from the El Torito. Okay. If uh, if you've ever been to that particular area, there's a three-way intersection. Is it across the street from that big Shell station? It's an Arco station, but yeah, it's okay. across the street from that. It's across the street from the movie theater too. And which Nordstrom's they, is and right Nordstrom's there too. And Nordstrom's just just there too. And you'll be able to see us come July because we got approved, and I'm not even making this up, for a 70-foot Las Vegas-style sign. And for everyone to see. Really? Seven wow. stories. Seven big stories. electrical. <laughs> is it going to show like Kiss in their boots or something? You know, it's going to be the most boring sign in the world. It's going to have like a little electronic billboard and that's it. But, but the name of the restaurant is be, Rock and Brews. And that'll be on the top of it? It'll be on it. And, uh, you know, thankfully, because we're building it on uh, Cal Expo, which is state-run property, <laughs> they... Uh, they don't have to get approval from the city, or the county, they, the or boss. anyone, because you know, as lawyers know, you get the there's that whole state does what the state does, and the counties just have to suck it up. Cities too. I have one big <laughs> question about Rock and Brew's opening. Yes, is Gene Simmons going to attend? They, he and Paul Stanley will be there. Yes. Oh, wow. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and I have to tell you, I went to the we went to the Rock and Brew's opening. Next to um, next to Knott's Berry Farm, and that was insane. I never I never knew Kiss fans were so rabid. They, but I'm not one of the rabid kind, but they are. They're all the rabid them. kind, yeah. Harold. You guys are <laughs> all nuts, and and it's it's it's. I don't want to say it's sweet, but here are these people in their 40s, 50s who grew up with Kiss. I 
I met Paul Stanley and sat back down at the table and I turned to my brother and I said, you know, the nine-year-old in me is totally geeking out right now because I had an, a Kiss action figure, you know, and All right. I listened to Kiss music and you know, I'm sitting at the table next to them and watch, and the Kiss fans, they had it roped off. They were at least 40 or 50 feet deep. Wow. wow. It, That's it, was, That's it cool. was insane. I got to see Paul Stanley on a stage show. He did a little tour. A stage show? Well, he he was the singer. He had a uh, touring thing called Paul Stanley's Soul Station, and he played Motown music. Nice. I, I saw him at a small club. It was really hmm. nice. Nice. Expensive. Nicest guy in the world. Yeah. I mean, he and Gene, he was there because Gene's, let's be honest, Gene is the marketing genius. Right. He's the one who made Kiss what it is. Right. But Paul, you know, he... He was down to earth. He was low key. He knew people wanted to be there. Made time for everyone. It was just uh, um, that's awesome. Yeah. Is and, there a date set for that opening? Because I'm going to get on my calendar. <laughs> uh, probably July. July 11th right. was um, possible. Well, well, it was in March, but you know, with the planning things. But I do know that the contractor Steve, contractor Steve, who's in Oroville right now and may, in fact, be listening to this. Uh, he promised us that next Monday he's coming down and, and kicking the dirt. And it's gonna have batting cages, it's gonna have miniature golf courses, oh. it's gonna have wow. oh it's gonna have picked it's on eleven acres, Harold. Oh wow. It is it is this going is awesome. It is yes. a cool. battleship. Now when of does a restaurant. the Chico Annex open up? <laughs> we're <laughs> we're actually have a couple of sites that we're looking at right now too. Right. And for the future. For the future that Good. I'd like to, to don't do. leave don't leave Chico out. But, you know, there was a, a funny story when I was there because we have all this land. We have 11 acres for this restaurant, and we're only using half of it. And so we were joking because Cal Expo is big to big on farm, farm to table. And so we, we were joking about marijuana, the new marijuana laws, and we thought, well, shoot, it's state property. Why don't we just grow marijuana there? It's legal. And, you know, <laughs> I was making it as a joke, but it turns out the state of California – is setting up a, a private bank for marijuana growers because... Wow. Because they have a problem with the banking laws. Right. And be, for those of you who don't know, and unless you're a marijuana grower, you probably don't, um, you can't deposit marijuana proceeds or growing proceeds into federally funded institutions. They're illegal. They won't take them. They won't let you open an account. It's a, a federal crime. Banks don't want to have anything to do with it. So everything's in cash, lots and lots of cash. And the banks are also against cash. They're trying oh, to yeah, crack down anti -money on that. Oh yeah, anti-money laundering. Right. I was. That was. Yeah. And so uh, I learned that in my uh, taxation master's course that I got. <laughs> All those know your customer laws. Talk about another big headache. I had to mention that to the audience. <laughs> in this studio right now, we have a CPA who wants to be an attorney and an attorney who wants to be a CPA. Yeah, I know. Well, we all have to have our hobbies in this world. Now, Su Susan, you have to deal with this thing. There's a conflict between federal law says marijuana is illegal, but state law is sort of trying to allow it. I mean, it sort of does. But doesn't federal law usually supersede, or is there an agreement right now? You know, right now there's not an agreement with uh, the state and federal law enforcement agencies about marijuana. And the new marijuana laws in California became effective January of this year. I think when I try to explain to people uh, the basics of the marijuana laws in California, I try to tell them to just liken it to the alcohol laws that are currently in effect and so put beer, comma, wine, comma, marijuana. And so all of the laws that apply, somebody under 21 is not allowed to have a beer in their possession. Um, same thing with marijuana. Uh, you can make your own beer at home you cannot commercially sell it the same thing with marijuana oh okay yes so it sort of works that way that was another thing i was going to just briefly mention with my little tirade about the trump and all the stuff going on where's the attorney general in this place all he seems to be wanting to do is arrest old people who are smoking medical marijuana do you know about that or do you think they're going to work on this on the federal level or is it going to stay butting heads with states well, you know, the, the Civil War, in all honesty, was about, you know, who's in charge? Is it federal preemption or do states have individual rights um, and responsibilities? And I think it's 17 states currently have uh, marijuana legal in their uh, states. And there's been 
lot of changes to law and a lot of financial benefit by having marijuana being allowed, for example, in Colorado. Um, people are traveling to Colorado, and one of the things they're going there for is uh, because they can experience marijuana legally. So it's helping their economy. It's helping sure. their economy. And, and hopefully that's what's going to happen with California. So I, I think the most perilous thing uh, with these marijuana laws are going to be people who choose to continue to grow and sell, and they're not in sync with the law. If right. they're not paying taxes, if they're not paying for permits, if they're not paying income taxes, um, I think those are the people who are going to be targeted, uh, certainly by the state of California and also probably by the federal government, as opposed to those who are paying you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars to be involved in the marijuana business legally. I've chosen not to help a couple of possible clients because it does involve they're the growers. I do have some clients who are the trimmers and the guys who do the peripheral work. Mm-hmm. I'm really nervous about somebody sending in a tax return to the federal government, the IRS, <laughs> that shows marijuana proceeds on a tax return. I don't want to do it until everything's crystal clear. You know? Well, and I don't think it's going to be crystal clear for a while. I, I, I mean, having marijuana legal in California, I think, again, the way the reason people voted for it is because there has been medical benefits to marijuana, right. and this makes it more accessible, but also the tax benefits. I mean, California um, is an expensive state, and if there's an opportunity to bring in additional income into the state of California, um, then this is a great opportunity to bring in you know millions and millions of dollars to the state coffers. But you know, no, right now you can't necessarily, at least through a typical insurance company like State Farm get crop insurance for marijuana. Um, and until the marijuana laws are consistent and legitimate with the state and federal government, I still think it's difficult for anybody who wants to invest um, or be involved in marijuana sales um, to really know where they stand. And so my best advice to people is I'm not taking on those sorts of cases right. because I can't tell them how to violate the law. Right. Um, you know, the ethics of an attorney are to not to advise somebody on how to break the law. So the best advice I can give them is there's a conflict between state and federal law. I, I don't do federal law. Uh, I can tell you what the state law is, but, you know, there is no easy answer. And so I recommend you not break the law. Right. Well, that's the way you kind of have to go. Yes. Uh, Scott, getting back to the rock and bruise. <laughs> <laughs> okay. No. Kiss fans. What did okay. I tell you? Tell they're not they're it, no, rabid. On, no, no, no. on the marijuana <laughs> Sure. Subject. Okay. Yes. On the marijuana subject. How did it? How did Cal Expo come into play with marijuana? Yeah, I mean, did they actually say that's a? I mean, they I never... are. They are making the state of California is mindful of the problems that Sue has uh, mentioned, and the simple fact is, Attorney General Sessions has, has likened marijuana to heroin. Right now, I can honestly say I don't do marijuana. I've never done marijuana. Not a fan of marijuana. That said, if there are people out there who enjoy partaking of it. I'm not going to judge them, and the state of California is not going to judge them either. So what they're doing is they're setting up a cash depository at uh, Cal Expo where people can, marijuana growers can um, can come in wow. and drop off, or anyone right. with the industry. We're coming up on another break. We'll oh, be right killing back me, man. Scott and Sue <laughs> all, right. all this fascinating <laughs> information. We'll be right back. Stay tuned to Business Buzz. Hi, this is James McDonald, Bible teacher on Walk in the Word. I can't tell you how much we appreciate radio stations like the one you're listening to right now. Without our radio partners, Walk in the Word wouldn't be, couldn't be heard each day. Be sure to contact your station and let them know how much you appreciate their ministry in your life. Walk in the Word with James McDonald, weeknights at 6 p.m. here on KKXX. Hey everyone, let's all stop what we're doing and take a moment. You see, every moment can be kind of special. But they can be loud moments, goofy moments, dorky moments, it doesn't matter. Because every time dads like us take a moment like that to spend with our kids, well, it's pretty momentous. So let's take a moment to make a moment. Call 877-4DAD-411 or visit fatherhood.gov. Brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services and the Ad Council. 
I spend a lot of time in the backyard, and I'm the center of attention at summer barbecues. In 96, I made some of the tastiest s'mores. And in 09, it was me, your backyard fire pit, that accidentally started a wildfire when a summer breeze carried one of my embers into some dry brush. Spark a change, not a wildfire. Visit SmokeyBear.com. Brought to you by the U.S. Forest Service, your state forester, and the Ad Council. Only you can prevent wildfires. Welcome back to Business Buzz. Harold Littlejohn, CPA. We're here with Scott Hubbard and Susan Hearn, both local Chico attorneys. And Susan... You are criminal defense, but you're not a public defender. So you're actually, you're like me as a CPA. You need clients. You need people coming through the door. You need to get in contact with people. That's correct. What's your type of demographic as far as the clients you end up seeing? And what's like the client you enjoy helping the most? Um, Most of my clients, or I'd say about 80% of my clients are students, college students. Whether they're attending Butte College, Chico State, the uh, uh, police academy, um, so they're typically young people um, who've made a bad mistake and we hope have a bright future. Right. So they, when they make a mistake, mm-hmm. they really need to make sure that they take care of it correctly right now because like we were talking about, these things can hang on to their record for years and years. Yes. And it's not just that. I, I Often I will tell my clients, the young people, when they come with their parents to meet me, that you come to Chico and you learn lessons that you didn't sign up for in college. You know, you learn how to uh, have roommates that you can trust. If your roommate's selling drugs at your apartment, that can create liability for you. You know, you learn how to uh, end a relationship in a healthy manner. Uh, You learn how to use alcohol or drugs in a way that's safe um, and legal for everybody. Now, also the topic of a lot of times on college campus talk about young students. Do you run into problems where they have like a sexual kind of charge, like a date rape types or you know, I, I assaulting? Typically, I mean, a lot of news you hear is like uh, college athletes with these assault problems. Do you deal with those sometimes? I, I dealt with them when I first started practicing law about nine years ago. But um, it's not something I choose to do. I, I guess I'm very blessed in that uh, I didn't really start practicing law until my, I turned 50. So I have a prior career um, and uh, a retirement plan that goes with that. So I get to pick my clients. Oh, great. So yes. Yeah. So you already have other income before you became an attorney. Yes. So that's great. Yes. Because yeah. working for this, did you work for the state quite a while? Was that? A I worked little... for the state for over twenty-eight years. Oh wow. Yes. Now where did you go to college originally? Actually, I went to Chico State. Oh. Yes. And was your degree in like poli sci or something? Or? It was at. Um, it's it's not something I necessarily want to boast, but it took me about 14 years to graduate from college. It took me um, 19 years okay. to get my bachelor's, okay, so well, I got you beat. Yes, and, and the reason for that got, is... Uh, a couple of really smart ones here. Right. Well, no, I was working full-time. I'm just kidding. Yeah. Yes. He's and, kidding. Uh, We're not smart. And I uh, had a mortgage and a family, and so I could only take one or two courses a semester. Right. And it, so it took a long time to get my degree, but I'm glad I did. And then soon after that, decided to see if I would like law school, and I did, and that I could pass and get a bar card. I've always been impressed with people who fight through those years like you had, all that other things you had to do, mm-hmm. but you managed to get that first bachelor's degree, yes. even though you were doing all the other things. Yes. I've always admired that. Yeah. Well, thank you. Because I was lucky enough to have parents who sp- let me come to Chico, and they did support me. I mm-hmm. only had to, I worked some summer jobs, but I was very blessed to have financial assistance and I got through in five and a half years. All right. <laughs> Are yes. you paying it forward with your son Max as he get his as he gets his PhD from yes, as, as my in son Irvine? Gets his, as my son gets his PhD in economics, I'm mm-hmm. I'm doing the same thing my parents did. I'm <sighs> staying broke and helping my son. That's good. Yeah. That's a great investment in your child's future yeah. and your future. Yeah. <laughs> Good for you. No, it's great. Yeah, it is because I need somebody to help me. I was That's right. Say, maybe he'll, maybe he'll do he'll pause before he pulls the plug on you. Because <laughs> Scott knows I normally don't discuss age here, and I never ask sure. about it. But Scott knows because he came to my 60th birthday party uh-huh. about right. nine that, months ago. So. Great. The, you you good. would think he'd be reserved and somewhat dignified, not at all. <laughs> hey, I'm, a, I'm a chico I'm a Chico State grad. That's right. Yeah, That's the, right. The band was off. The, was just blowing the roof off the Elks Lodge. It there was, was kind of loud. Booze it was everywhere. Good for you. It was yes. fun. Right. So so 
so lately, let's say you have a typical week at your practice. Okay. What might you see come in? Would it be like maybe a drunk driving student? Could that be one of them? Or? It could be a drunk driving student. It could be a kid who has a scholarship and has a minor in possession, um, and he can lose his scholarship, oh, especially right. if it's a sports scholarship with something like that. Um, and sometimes fights, roommate fights, <coughs> you know, that sort of thing, uh, where a kid's getting beat up. And, and so this young man, you know, swings back uh, to protect his roommate and ends up having a good swing. Right, and, um, and the policeman and knows the police they come both and... hit each other and they're both in trouble. Correct. Right. Yes. Wow. That's scary. The, um, that, my son played uh, Division three tennis for Santa Cruz for four years. Mm-hmm. Go Slugs. And right when he had, he had just gotten done in his senior year, uh, he was getting, I'm trying to remember when he got accepted to this PhD program, but... To make a long story short, a couple of the tennis players messed up and sort of involved the team with a marijuana left behind in their hotel room problem. Right. And the new rookie coach didn't know how to handle that. In other words, the coach 10 years ago that was the long-term coach would just pay the cleaning deposit to the hotel and deal with it later. Right. Well, a coach at Santa Cruz decided to send it, the $200 cleaning deposit in with the bill when he sent it to the athletic department. Wow. So they <laughs> oh automatically asked about it. And the problem we had was that here's my son applying to all these places for his PhD. Right. And now if the whole team were to be like, you know, disciplined, he would maybe be mixed up in that group because he's on that team. Right. And I'm proud of my son because he... He, you know, he never experimented with drugs, and I really do believe him. He's just not into it. But my point is, is that anything can happen, and you need a defense attorney when something does happen. I mean, I agree, and I and I think the other thing that that's important with young people, and actually, um, the U.S. Supreme Court recently changed Miranda laws for kids under eighteen, saying that, uh, well, research shows that a young person's brain isn't actually wired till their mid-20s. And so to treat a 16-year-old the same as you would a 25-year-old in regards to constitutional rights, they don't really understand. Um, How did they change? I didn't hear about that. Tell us a little bit about the change in the Miranda Law. For everybody that doesn't know, the Miranda Law is the one they used to say on Dragnet all the time. You have the right to remain silent. You have the right to an attorney. So tell us how they've changed that. I wasn't aware of that. Um, so it's effective, uh, again, January of this year. And, and basically it says that uh, a young person has a right to either an attorney or a parent or both when they're being questioned by law enforcement. And that uh, when you go through the Miranda rights, you need to explain it in a manner so you just don't say you have the right to remain silent. Do you understand that you have to uh, engage them in a conversation so that you believe that they do understand? Oh, and that's for people under 18. Under 18. It's so, the same for 18 and over. Correct. Right. Okay. Yes. Right. And, and so my point is that young people, sometimes they, they just don't understand the long-term consequences of, of a foolish action. And, and for a lot of them, it's getting them the help they need to change their behavior. I mean, I had a kid who had a lot of drugs in his pocket, and you know when, he, when we discussed it, I said, tell me you're dealing drugs because those are not drugs I want you to be taking. And he said, no, those are for me. And and that was really scary. So um, there are programs in Chico uh, that um, have medical doctors and counselors. And this young man went through a program. And four months later, he he looked fantastic. That's really a good point about the younger people needing a better warning because I know how I get. And when I was younger, it would be even worse. But if you're a young guy and you're on your way home and you get arrested for something, mm-hmm. your mind is so messed up with what am I going to do next? All the bad things that are going to happen. I mean, an adult would do that too. Right. But I think that sounds, and did that stem from a recent Supreme Court case? Is that like, uh, yes. it probably happened a few years back to get it to be law now. Is that right? That's correct. Yeah. And, and I actually don't remember the exact case. No, but no, I, but it, it's nice to know that they were discussing research shows that young people's minds are actually not functioning and wired till their mid-20s. And, and we pretty much all know that. Thank God we've made it through our, our 20s. But well, with we, some people, it can be like the mid-40s. Well, it, it, yeah, there's no scientific huh? data for that excuse. But yes, <laughs> indeed. Yes. Wow, that's really interesting. 
Now, Susan, you are, um, can you give us some contact information? How would a listener get a hold of you if they needed to talk to a local uh, defense attorney? Okay, so we have a, a number 8777-LAWYER. So, oh, again, 877-7-LAWYER. That's a great number. It's toll-free, and it's easy to remember. We have an office right across the street from the Butte College Center in Chico. Uh, so for- we're Forest? Uh, right off Forest. Off Forest. Yes. Great. So we're, we're easy so to find. Very convenient. And, uh, and so you, you've been doing this for about nine years, you say? Yes. And did you, when you first became an attorney, was this your first choice? You wanted to be criminal defense or? Actually, when I, when I first got my bar card, I was a district attorney with Butte County. Oh. Um, and uh, I always say it's the, the toughest job I ever had. It, it's a really tough job. It's a heavy caseload. In all honesty, it doesn't pay very well either. And by then, I was in my 40s, so I did the math for retirement and realized if I stayed with the California State Park System and retired with that job, I would have health benefits for my family. And so that was so I chose to continue with my job with the State Park System until 50, oh. so we could have health benefits. Oh, okay. And then that's, I yeah, and then I started uh, my new career. Okay. Yeah. I always felt if you're the district attorney, you. Don't you have to completely cross every T and every I because the defense attorneys like you and the other ones are going to knock you down for one, you know, like the, right, like a one mistake and you're out. Isn't that how well, you have to act? I mean, as Doesn't a defense attorney, it's, it's, it's certainly yeah. my job to try to find places to chink away uh, information in a case. Right. Was the equipment properly calibrated? Was the officer properly That's trained? That's the kind of thing I was yes. thinking. So it, as a DA, you really have to be perfect in your prosecution. Well, I think as a district attorney, as opposed to a defense attorney, district attorneys have very, very heavy caseloads. They're literally moving moving truck dollies of banker boxes to court every day. Wow. So it's, it's, a, it's a tough job. Um, so there are typically you know, young, bright um, students with their first, young people with their first job. Right. Possibly two hundred thousand dollars worth of law school debt. Right. Um, who are you know just trying to you know learn how to practice law, learn how to make a living. And it's probably pretty good, like you say, learning. They probably come out to be pretty good after they've done that. Yes, I, yeah. I think so. Right. Our current young district attorneys um, seem very uh, intelligent and capable, but they're certainly working hard. That's sort of like when I first started. I worked for my father, do learning taxes and accounting. And the accounting I used to do for him as an employee, it wasn't my favorite. It was bookkeeping and some audit work. And I, I mm-hmm. just, to be honest, I didn't enjoy it that much. And once I started being on my own doing income tax, it just feels like a, I mean, I'm not saying it's easy, but it feels like I'm on vacation because I enjoy it. I'm helping people. And I'm sure you feel the same way after being a district attorney prior yeah. Well, being a private attorney, I mean, it is endearing when I get a graduation announcement from a kid who's had some problems and has graduated, you know, to get, you know, the wedding announcement, to see the baby pictures. So to see, you know, especially these young people who are having some challenges and then they get through and they get their degree and they fall in love and they have jobs right. and are successful. I mean, that's what we want from all these young people. Yeah. Um, a strange stati- statistic is that one out of every five people will be arrested for a misdemeanor or a felony in their lifetime. Hmm. So there's a lot of people who've made simple mistakes. And um, all of us, you know, all of society, all of us, the taxpayers, their family, want these people to get back on track. That The whole thing about where you, these new laws about the employers not being able to do this and that, mm-hmm. I mean, it's kind of interesting because this, uh, with this station being Life Radio, you know, forgiveness gets talking about in the church all the time, but it doesn't always get talked about in the boardrooms and the businesses so that's pretty interesting that in that respect yes so it, it is about redemption right yes indeed yeah well uh now we've got uh, oh we don't have much time at all yeah thanks harold Scott, wake up, appreciate Scott. your time <laughs> i certainly do enjoy these little radio shows of yours would oh, you like okay. to hear about my contact information and practice too yeah. mr hubbard tell us your favorite type of of case right real quick and then give us your phone number settled <laughs> no, I mean, what's your specialty right now if a perfect client walked in? We have a private equity firm that we've started that is dealing with immigrant investors. Um, 
basically there's a little wrinkle in the law that says that if you have $500,000 that you're willing to invest in an American business, the U.S. government will give you a green card. Aha. Uh-huh. So uh, it's a way of bringing, but you have to create jobs too. So right. 10 of them. So you it's have to a, hire people. Right. So it's a way of getting not only uh, money back to America, but creates. We're coming up on that final break. Okay. It's 895-3252. Scott Hubbard <laughs> Esquire. Killing anyway, man. Thank you, Scott. <laughs> All right. Thank you, Susan. My I really pleasure. appreciate you being here. Thanks Come for the back opportunity. next week on Business Buzz. This is Harold Littlejohn, CPA. See you next time. KKXX, Paradise, K280GL, Chico, and K283AR, Chico, Yuba City, Marysville. J&J Optical would like to remind us that when we donate blood, we're making an invaluable contribution to our community. You know, it's time we pull together for all the right reasons, so give blood today. This special message was courtesy of J&J Optical in Paradise. That's where the staff is working hard to keep our area a safer place to live, work, shop, and raise our families. That's J&J Optical, on the air, because they care. Astronaut Bob the Drop here. There's been a lot of talk about water found on Mars. Why would you go all the way to Mars for water when we have the best tasting water at Mount Shasta? It comes from our protected springs and is delivered right to your door. Great planning, Bob. Hey, where are you going with that? Those Martians are stealing my water. Guess we have some new customers. And anyone can get Mount Shasta spring water if they call us at 1-800-922-6227. Pure and simple. Naturally, the best Mount Shasta spring water. Come gather around, people, wherever you roam. And admit that the waters around you have grown. And accept it that soon you'll be drenched to the bone. Oh, the times KKXX, Paradise, K280GL, Chico, and K283AR, Chico, Yuba City, Marysville. Hello, this is Samantha Landy, and I bring you Psalms of Hope. Heard here on Life Radio every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at noon. So do tune in and join me for beautiful music and an encouraging word from the Lord. Psalms of Hope with Samantha Landy. Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at noon, here on KKXX. I wasn't prepared to be a caregiver to mom. I had no idea how hard it would be and what I would need to know. Things I never thought of, like how to improve her mood and ways for me to stay positive. Luckily, I found the Caregiving Resource Center from AARP. It had articles about the basics, but also information about the hurdles I was facing. Caregiving Resource Center at aarp.org slash caregiving. Articles, tips, and tools to help you both care for your loved one and care for yourself. Brought to you by AARP and the Ad Council. Come gather around people wherever you roam And admit that the waters around you have grown And accept it that soon you'll be drenched to the bone Oh, the time.